It's time for the car doctor on AM 950 WROL. Got a car question? Call us at 617-770-3030. That's 617-770-3030. Now, here's the car doctor, John Paul, on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. And good Saturday morning, everyone, and welcome to another edition of the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor, here to help you with your car problems. We've been on the air here for a whole bunch of years and continuing to do so. Remember, you can listen to the Car Doctor program on AM 950, 100.3 FM. You can go to the WROL website, so WROLradio.com. You can tap the app. You can Amazon or... Alexa or Google or just about anywhere. And, of course, you can find uh, previous uh, programs on my podcast page, which is johnfpaul.podbean.com, or you can go to the Car Doctor Radio Podcast Facebook page, or you can find my Facebook page either way. Well, electric cars are all the rage, it seems like you hear about them all over the place now. And one of the problems is sometimes there's not enough electricity to charge them up. And with us on the phone is Sarah Karpinian from Ford. Good morning, Sarah. Morning, John. Okay, Thanks first, for having me on your show. First off, how badly did I screw up your name? <laughs> it is Kempinen, but that's okay. All right, well, <laughs> see, I, I, was, I was going by the... Uh, pronunciation of a uh, Bruins hockey player. Okay, probably and, from the same country, Finland. He, yeah, <laughs> yeah, he, he pronounces a little, yeah, his first name was Jonas, so he pronounces a, maybe a little bit different. I don't know. So I was doing, I was doing the best I could. So now that we, now that we have that part over with, uh, Ford recently announced that uh, the whole sort of chicken and egg thing of do you buy an electric car if there's no place to charge? Do you build charging stations if there's no electric cars to charge them? Ford's uh, uh, going with a really big commitment here of building a huge uh, charging station infrastructure, right? Yeah, we just announced our four charging solutions that are going to give our customers the confidence to charge at home and on the road. So we're created the largest network in North America for a charging station. And um, how how long is it going to take to put, uh, from what I understand, more than 12,000 places to charge, including fast charging and, uh, you know, it's more than anybody else. How long is it going to take to put all of this together? So the infrastructure is already out there. But what we're doing is providing the back end to make it really easy for our customers to access it. So one of the big things that we heard from electric vehicle drivers out there on the road today that during our customer research is that people don't really see these charging stations. They're like, do they really exist? And yes, they do exist. And Ford is making it easy to find them. You can locate the charger, you can check availability, and you can pay all through the Ford Pass app. So our customers just have it easy. It's really simple and easy to go charge in public. But most of your charging is going to be done at home. So you can wake up every day fully charged. And some people will say, you know, oh, I have to plug my car in. You think about all the stuff you plug in now. You plug in your, your cell phone, your tablet, your laptop, I don't know, your toothbrush. Um, I think we've just become a plug-in society, and plugging in your car is just another easy step to that, right? 
Yeah, I agree. I mean, you just think of, as you mentioned, everything that you do plug in. And the nice thing is you don't have to go out of your way to a gas station. So you plug in when you get home and after coffee, you know, when you're getting in your car, you just unplug it and you're good to go. And every day, 100% full with a 300 mile range battery, like you are good to go. And uh, a uh, local uh, Ford dealer here, uh, Bob Tasca, who also races uh uh, drag racing. Uh, he uh, he put something on his Facebook page yesterday. It says Ford will release an all-electric SUV on November 17th. I've seen this vehicle in person, and it's one of the most incredible vehicles Ford has ever built. It will shock Tesla and the electric vehicle world. Now, I know you can't talk about future products yet, but is uh, is uh, can, you, can you say that at least uh, he's probably right? Definitely. I share his sentiment. <laughs> and I got to, I was at our dealer grassroots events in LA and in um, Chicago, and you could definitely feel the energy around the vehicle. It's, it's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, you know, as you know, when, you know, the turn of the last century, you could, you could go out and you could buy a car that ran on diesel or gasoline or electric. And I believe, um, uh, Mrs. Ford actually drove an electric car way back in the early 1900s. Uh, does Ford really see the um, the future of electric cars being the being the next big thing? I mean, I kind of think of it, and I go, I look at uh, you know, different cars that I drive all the time, and once in a blue moon, I drive a, a car with a manual transmission, and I kind of look at maybe in 20 years, it'll be once in a blue moon you'll drive a car with a gasoline engine. Uh, do you think it's kind of going in that direction? I think that's where the industry is going, and globally it's going that way. So, yeah, it could be. Yeah, yeah, I We're know. We're investing a lot of money so, in yeah. electric vehicles, and that's part of our job is making it easy to charge. And I know it's a big change to have people shift from gas to electric, but yeah. It's definitely coming, and that and that's the and that's the key is you mentioned a three hundred mile range. That now is the new the new number to try to hit, right? Yes, exactly. The previous you know BEVs that were having you know hundred or hundred fifty or two hundred mile range, it still doesn't inspire as much confidence. But when you get up to three hundred, I think people are more interested. They're like, hey, I can actually do a road trip with this, or you know, I can drive it around all week if I'm only doing forty miles a day. Mm-hmm. You know, people are more comfortable with it. And, you know, let's talk about charging for just a minute. Uh, I was talking, we had a New England Motor Press meeting. I'm the president of the local Motor Press. And uh, somebody showed up in an all-electric SUV, and they said, yeah, I I went to recharge it at home on a standard, you know, 110-volt normal outlet. And he said it was going to take 49 hours. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, uh, well, you know, that, which is, which is fine, I guess, if you have a, if you have a three day weekend and you want to leave your car parked while it's recharging, but, uh, Ford is looking at uh, level two and level three quick charging as part of this whole solution, right? Yeah. So we, we've really put our time and effort and thought and money into making charging really easy for customers. And part of it is as soon as you drive your beautiful new Mustang inspired all electric SUV home, you already have awesome charging solutions with the vehicle. So you can plug it into the standard outlet if that's what you have and it will take a long time, but it's really just for emergency. But we also are giving you a charge cord. So if you have a 240 volt outlet, like Mm -hmm. you would use for your clothes dryer, you can charge it overnight. 
And it, like, so speaking faster charging, like in public charging, we've partnered with Electrify America so that you can charge full from, I think, 10 or 20% all the way up to 80%, like if you're on a road trip within 45 minutes. So you get a break, you get to stretch your legs, grab a quick bite to eat while your car refills, you know, charges, and you're good to go. Yeah, I've, a friend of mine has a Tesla, and he has a home in Naples, Florida, and he lives up here in New England. And he took his Tesla to Florida, and I said, how was it? And he said, you know, and, and he was, he's, he's a couple years older than me, and he said, you know, at my age, every two, 250 or 300 miles, I, he said, I have to stop and use the bathroom anyway. So it all works out. He says, I, 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 combined, I combined it all together so I could, so he said, I stop, I get a snack, I use the restroom, my car charges up for 20 minutes, and I'm good to go for another couple hundred miles. Do you really envision that's, that is really going to be the future of electrification, that it's going to be that convenient and that easy for people just like getting gas for a gasoline car? Definitely. And I, you know, as you mentioned, like it, it does take the right kind of person that doesn't mind or that is the kind of person that needs to take a stop over, mm-hmm. you know, if you're doing a 10 or 20 mile or 20 hour drive, yeah. you know, I'm the kind of person that needs to do it a 30 minute pit stop, but uh, not everybody is that way. Yeah. So as you're saying, like, you know, maybe not everyone will go in this direction, but the people that we spoke to that have EVs, once they get their EV, they're not going back. Like they love the lifestyle. Mm-hmm. You know, we've, talk to them and they find all kinds of things to do in that 20 minutes you know they're doing their email they're reading a book they're you know doing karaoke in their car like it's just it's a different uh different way of thinking about your electric vehicle or your vehicle in general can we back up to the doing karaoke in your car (laughs) that was a fun one yeah Uh, you know, it, it really, you know, we, we look at, we look at some of this and, um, you know, what I have, I guess I have two kind of concerns is one, does our, is our electric grid, is the infrastructure there to support mass use of electric vehicles? And when is the government going to step in and say, you know, you're on the road, so you're wearing out the road, and you're, we're not collecting gas tax, and how are we going to tax electric vehicle users? you have any thoughts about that? So I do. Um, that is not in my specific area. That's all right. So if you wanted to go more down that road, I could find the right person to No, 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 no. Yeah, but I, I think in general – we we are thinking about the grid and mm-hmm. we have there's some people on our team that have you know have some really cool ideas and they're they're definitely starting to implement it so you'll be hearing more about that in the future yeah no no it it sounds it sounds like uh, that you know that is just one of the pieces of all of this and the um, are are the charging systems or the charging plugs, I guess, that Ford is going to be uh, using and implementing. Are they what we're seeing now, sort of the normal uh, level two, level three DC chargers, uh, uh, kind of the standard use that we're seeing around the country right now? Yes, exactly. We we decided that we wanted our drivers to be able to charge kind of anywhere. So we went with the standard um, charging kind of plugs and infrastructure. Yeah, it, to me, to the, me, that makes makes a lot of sense and makes it makes it more universal. And again, makes it something that people are people are pretty used to. And for people that haven't charged an electric car, it's actually a whole lot easier than putting gasoline in a car. It's pretty, especially at home. Like that's the most convenient yeah. spot. You just pull in your driveway and you know plug in, and you're good to go. Yeah. Does is the is, is the at home charging? Is it going to be? 
Is it going to require a charging station like we see out in front of restaurants and hospitals? and Or can it literally just be a plug that plugs into a dryer outlet? So, either way, it literally, what comes with your vehicle is just a plug. It goes right into the wall. Oh, okay, and you great. can charge overnight. Yeah, if you have the 240 volt. But yep. a lot of people are going to want the charge station just because it's even faster. Yep. And it has these really cool connected features. You know, everybody wants to connect to their home and, you know, Alexa and all that stuff. Yep. So, we're, um, we're definitely keeping all of that in mind. And, and I would think the electric charging stations could also maybe take advantage of some off-peak rates of some sort where they're charging, you know, charging starts at 11 o'clock at night and goes till 4 in the morning when electricity, electrical rates are maybe a little bit cheaper, too. Exactly. Yeah. 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 No. It. Um. I. I'm a. I've always been a fan of electric cars. Years and years and years ago, I had an electric car. It was. It was an awful electric car. Um. It was. Uh, <laughs> it was. Uh, it. Well, it didn't even start off well. It was a. It was a uh, Renault Le Car that was not a fantastic car when it was powered by gasoline. And a company here in Massachusetts actually converted it to electricity the u.s electric car company and it had uh i think it had 16 six volt golf cart batteries in it and uh <laughs> what, yeah it was it was awful but it was it but on uh, but it was also it was also a car from the late 70s or early 80s so for its time it was kind of really unique and now you get in electric cars today and i think one of the most kind of boring things about electric cars they kind of feel like a car you know they're, you know they're they have instant torque and they're they're quick, uh, but it, there's no there's there's no learning curve. You just sort of get in and drive it like you would drive an internal combustion car. You're right. It is. It's pretty easy, but there are some different things. Like you mentioned, the torque. That's mm -hmm. my favorite part of the driving an EV is just the instant torque. You and hot rod are you? You, all, yeah. <laughs> I enjoy that. I like cars. So. <laughs> Yeah, no. no. It's, it's easy, and we also have a regenerative braking system, and so sometimes that can, you know, if you want to test it out, it can take a little time getting used to it. I don't know if you've tried one of those. Oh yeah, yeah. No, it's it you know, it sounds it sounds good. Now you 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 kind of um, and we sort of teased it together a little bit about the new Mustang inspired SUV that's going to be uh, uh, previewed in, in a couple of weeks. Uh, the uh, is Ford looking at bringing electrification? kind of to most of the models they're going to be selling or some some form of either plug-in electric vehicle or uh, full battery electric vehicle kind of right across the line? Is that sort of maybe part of the plan in the future? Yeah, we wanted to electrify our most iconic products. So that's why we're starting with the Mustang-inspired all-electric SUV. So we're definitely looking across the line. So so you don't don't answer this because I know you can't. So the next so the the Bronco when it finally comes out is going to be all electric then. No, see I know you can't answer it, so that's okay. <laughs> no, it it sounds it sounds you know it sounds really interesting. And again, I think that has been you you are providing the answer as a as. Uh, a company that does mass production of all kinds of vehicles that you are going to be providing the infrastructure to make these cars comfortable for people to drive. And that, and that was, you know, that was sort of missing up until this point, especially with the cars that had a 50 or a hundred or 150 mile range. Uh, I drove a, uh, 
I, I drove a car, and I'm going to be talking about it later, uh, a Nissan Leaf, and it was and it was pretty capable. I have to, I have to admit, it had about a 235 mile range, and it wasn't it wasn't bad. But I commute 100 miles a day, so for me, it's just kind of workable. It sort of works. Uh, somebody who commutes. 25 miles a day, a car like that would work really well. And by adding these uh, charging stations and being able to charge at home easily, I think it takes all of the it takes all of the uh, uh, hesitation out of the buying decision when it comes to maybe buying an electric vehicle. We hope so. Yeah, yeah. No, it's not, <laughs> yeah, it sounds no, it sounds great. So the um, Mustang inspired. Uh, uh, SUV that will be uh, that'll be something that will be previewed. Uh, I think Bobby Tasker said the seventeenth of November. Is that about right? Yeah. 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 So that that has to be uh, that's going to be a really sort of a, a, a really an earth earth shaking announcement coming out of Ford. So that'll be that'll be pretty exciting. Yeah, we're really excited. I mean, we had a lot of good um, feedback just based on our charging solution. So definitely excited to see the vehicle. Yeah, it, it really should be. And you're, like you said, your charging solutions are, are going to be something that is, um, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just add to it and make it easier. And again, that will be something that will be done um, just uh, basically through an app, right? Yeah, it's going to be everything is accessible through your Ford Pass app. And then also we make it really easy in vehicle to yeah. find and uh, find those chargers. So. And I was just... Uh, I probably should have done this before, but it was just flipping through your news release. And uh, Ford is uh, investing $11.5 billion in electrification through 2022. So you guys are really focused on uh, on uh, getting getting people to electrification and and uh, and uh, just uh, just gaining general acceptance with uh, an $11.5 billion investment. Exactly. Yeah. It's definitely our future. Well— uh, coming up in May, uh, the New England Motor Press has a technology conference that takes place at MIT. Uh, last year, for the second time in 10 years, we were actually kind of ahead of the curve, we did vehicle autonomy. This year, the focus is going to be on electrification because everybody seems to have a, a piece in that. So uh, maybe, we'll, maybe we'll see you at our MIT conference in, uh, in May. Oh, that'd be great. All right. We'll make sure you get an invitation. Okay, we'll do. All I right. would love to visit. All right. Sarah, thanks Thank for taking so time out of your Saturday morning to join us. And if people want to get more information about all of this, uh, can they just go to Ford.com? Yes, on Ford.com you can make it to the electric vehicle webpage, and you can even see chargers near you on there. And you can plan a route and check out the fast chargers, and you're good to go. Sounds great. Sarah, again, thanks for taking time out of your Saturday morning to join us at Pembroke in Boston. All right. Thanks, John. Have all right. Day. Take care. Bye-bye. Sarah from Ford uh, talking a little bit about electrification with Ford and uh, uh, really, you know, really, really interesting things. And I think, uh, you know, there's there's parts of uh, Europe now where any vehicle that goes into the city center, whether it's in London, uh, is going to have to be some sort of alternative fuel vehicle. And I think battery electric vehicles will count certainly for that. Uh, some of them will be um, some of them will be plug in hybrids. 
but if you don't do that, you're going to have to pay some kind of big tax to be able to drive your internal combustion car into into the city like that. So I think I don't know if we'll ever be in kind of in that direction, but I think it's uh, it's really something that uh, the technology really looks looks like it's going to expand. In fact, uh, I have a an article from Automotive News from a couple of weeks ago, and it, and just to let you know what's going to go on. Uh, it says, at an expense of $4.2 million, the addition of only 34 workers, Honda Motor Company will produce a CRV hybrid into the U.S. production as part of its um, Greensburg, Indiana plan. This is adding the electrified version of the compact crossover in U.S. showrooms uh, only next year as part of freshening the 2020 CRV lineup. The update will include equipment and engine improvements, but there's going to be an electrified version of the Honda. So we're seeing more of that, and we're going to see more um, full electric vehicles. So I think that's uh, pretty exciting. Honda expects electrified vehicles to represent about two-thirds of its global auto sales by 2030. In the first eight months of the year, Honda said it sold uh, 42,270 Accord hybrids. Uh, insights and clarity electrified vehicles combined a 68% increase from last year. Uh, what's kind of interesting about all of that, too, is uh, electric electrification isn't just electricity. Uh, Honda is looking at hydrogen electric. Uh, with the Honda Clarity, you can get the Clarity in a hybrid. Uh, you can get it in a electric version, so a plug-in electric version. Uh, one of my coworkers has one. He's uh, He's at the charging station every day, recharging his car a little bit. And uh, when I was out in California last year, I think it was last year, they had a hydrogen-powered Clarity, and they were doing they were, our California uh, AAA club was doing some testing with that, including putting it on a dynamometer, which looked like that was going to be pretty exciting as well. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617 uh, Keith, do we have a call? Yep, our famous, oh, sorry. Yes, our famous friend, Rick from Boston. All right, well, let's talk to Rick from Boston. Rick, you haven't been being chased around on your motorcycle, have you? No, I haven't been chasing you around on the motorcycle. No. I was out on it this week, but the, I'm actually put it where I, in the backyard so cause I won't be riding it that much in the future, but I'll still be riding it. Yeah, I you know I I always I always get kind of a little kick out of um, when I see a uh, it, well I guess it was a BMW but it was a it was a Ural U R A L and it was uh, anyone I've ever seen with a sidecar and I was up in Vermont and uh, they had they had one and the sidecar wheel is driven by a little drive shaft off the rear wheel so it's really a two wheel drive motorcycle with a sidecar and apparently people ride them year round in the snow with with studded snow tires on them so um, i don't think you're going to be doing that with your indian though are you no no i won't be putting studded snow tires on it and that though um you know you were amazed uh you know dennis was amazed when i called in about studded snow tires and chains for motorcycles yep. and you said yeah they have them yeah, no, no. Uh, you know, there, there are, I, uh, there are people that uh, either because they just enjoy it or out of necessity. Uh, you know, I see people uh, uh, in pretty inclement weather. You know, riding 
50 cc scooters uh you know back and forth to work and you know and the roads are barely clear from the snow and there's somebody out there in a scooter because they have to go to work and you know it's it's a it's a method of transportation so if you have to do it you have to do it right yeah and that um yeah, I've actually ridden, uh, been on a, a Euro and that, but I've never driven one and that. Uh, I was getting ready to drive it, and something came up, and I had to bow out and that. But uh, were you in the sidecar? Yeah, I was in the sidecar, that, and I was, I was looking at them this year, and I'm going like, gee, if I'd known this place was here when I bought the Indian, I might have actually bought the Euro instead of the Indian because yeah. they are really cool. They they are really cool, but I I am not sure. I I think the I think the quality might be better in your Indian than the Euro. I don't know. They're I just really think... a tough motorcycle because they're built for a. The design is built for a military. Right. Right. I yeah. They're military they're military vehicle. Man, yeah. So. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. But yeah. But uh, yeah. I think they're a really tough design. I think you're absolutely right. But. Uh, I don't know if this manufacturer builds them quite as well, but uh, at least that's what that's what one of my uh, uh, European riding motorcycle uh, friends says. So, yep. yeah, I don't really know. So, what's up this morning, Rick? Well, actually, two things. I want because uh, I call it most of the electric thing. Uh, I want to compliment you because uh, most of the time you don't ask the guest, uh, "Hey, I got to pay a bill. Uh, can you hold through the commercials?" You don't do that on the most part. So I, I really think that's nice of you and your get to your guests. Well, thank you. And uh, I kind of wondered, you know, listening to her, like, what's it going to be? What's going on, like in California, where the power, the power company shuts down a whole area, no power to it. Well, the, you got an electric vehicle. Yeah. Well, um, but, she did. She did sort of say that wasn't her field of expertise, didn't she? No, I understand yeah. that, but yeah. I, I, just the thought came to my mind, like, yeah. what's going on no. with all those electric cars out there? No, I, I, my question. I, well, actually, I, I, I agree with you because you know I brought that up talking to somebody about electric cars a few months ago, and I said, you know, even around the country now we have these rolling brownouts, and what happens if everybody decides, decides yeah. to plug their car in all on the same day? Well, maybe somebody will come up with like you know, how we used to carry a gas can in, the, in your trunk of your car. It'll carry a battery pack. Well, you're you're actually not that far off. There's a company called Eco Some. Of course, it's called Eco Something. Eco Something, and it's basically a uh, gasless. They call it a gasless generator, but it's it's about the size of um, one of those small Honda generators that looks about that size. But I guess it has some really yeah. high capacity electric batteries in it. And the company has developed them as a uh, a fuel source where they can be charged, you know, from a solar panel or something, I guess. But uh, as an area that can provide electricity to uh, emergency areas that don't have don't have power, and it works just like a, a a gasoline generator. In fact, the pictures I saw, it had a refrigerator running, a small refrigerator running. It had some power tools running off of it, and one of the uses it, it had uh, was a electric uh, uh, a plug on the side of it, so you could plug in your charging cable if your if your electric car ran out of electricity. So, so somebody somebody beat you to it, Rick. No, I, I'm not surprised. Here's my question. <laughs> sure. Um, I'm in the you know, um, I started uh, last month, 
to buy a car. All and right. I, I got the car now, but I'm still working through all the hassles in that. Yeah. Um, and I, I wrote a scathing review about the worst buying experience in 50 years. Um, I like to take off the company's you know, paste on label on the back of my car without damaging the paint. How do I do that? Um, usually, it's they're usually put on with double with like a sticky tape sort of stuff. You can try gently heat it with a heat gun. The other way you can do it, and the way we used to do it years and years ago, was you would just park the car in the sun so it was a little bit hot, and then you'd go out there. Oddly enough, with some dental floss. So you know the the sort of dental floss ribbon, not the string, but the dental floss no, ribbon. Oh, it's a decal. Oh, so it's not even yeah. it's not even a it's not even a uh, it's not even a, a, a like a thing that just sticks on the back. So it's a decal. Yeah. In that case, uh, gently heat it with a heat gun. You know, not enough. You 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 want to get it warm enough so you're not going to do any damage. And sort of take your fingers and roll the edge of it up. Once you get a corner of it lifted up a little bit, uh, you can you can use like a plastic scraper or something too. And but then the trick is you don't pull it straight up. You you kind of fold it over on top of itself. So, you know, if uh, straight up and down is 90 degrees, you sort of fold it 180 degrees. And I'm yep. not, I'm not a adhesive engineer, but it's, but all of this stuff uses something called 180 degree release, which means that when it's folded on that angle, the glue tends to release itself and that's how you pull it off. Okay. Thanks. Okay, so 180 degree release, uh, a heat gun, and then once you get it all, once you get it all off, clean up the paint, whatever the residual glue is, with some goo gone or something like that. Then a little bit of a uh, little bit of wax, and it'll be uh, shiny. Look, it look like it was never there. Good. That's what I'd like. That's what you want. All right. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like I said, it's the worst experience I've had in 50 years of buying cars. Hmm. And and where you might as well tell it. I didn't. I don't think I heard. I think your phone broke up. Where was that? I'm, I'm not going to say. You're not going to say. All right. Because some people have had good experiences. I've had a terrible one. And yep. that, You know, and you know, not not all the problems that they encountered was either mine or theirs of the making. It was through third party and that. Yep. But uh, ah. still, it's the worst thing. I have no intention of going back. Well, that's that's. You know, if uh, if you go someplace and you're not treated well for whatever the reasons, why would you go back? That doesn't make any sense. So I, I agree with you 100%. Yeah. All right, Rick. You take care of yourself. You All, right. All right. Take care. All right. All right. Take care. Bye-bye. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Phone lines are open if you would like to join us. We need to take a break, pay some bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. It's about 9 a.m. We'll be right back. Driving up and down the same old strip. I got to find a new place where the kids are hip. Get 
And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor. And uh, you can join us at 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's go take a call. Good morning. You're on the Car Doctor program. Good morning, Dr. John Paul. Hey, how, how are, are you, you, sir? I'm well, thank you. I have a question looking to buy another car. We had a a 2000 uh, Buick Park Avalto. My wife loved it. Mm-hmm. Put 243000 and it had heated seats, and she was happy as a clam at high tide. Mm-hmm. Well, we were looking for another one. Well, we looked for other cars, and we liked that car. It rode good. Yep. It had a terrific engine. Mm-hmm. Everything was good about it. Just gave up the ghost. Okay. Been look, looking for months. I went nationwide. And I found a car a year ago, and, you know, they wanted 13000 for it. Yikes. And it was, you're right, you know, what, hold on. Yep. So I blew that off, obviously, yep. the guy's dream, and it was a dealership in Nebraska. Yep. And I've been looking since, and I've found a lot, but I want the, you know, the ultra with certain things. Yep. and And I came back to this car, it's still for sale. No surprise at mm-hmm. that price. At that price, yeah. Right. So, anyways, um, I I decided to call you back, and I looked again, and it's still for sale, and we have reason to drive a car out, another car, one way from Topsfield to Montana in another few weeks, yep. and we're going to do that. And I said, hey, I can go into State 80 as opposed to 90, and then cut up. Mm-hmm. So I've been given some thought. And I said, "Well, what would I be willing to pay?" Well, I don't know. What's what's I, the car? I, what's the car worth? Have you done some research? Have you looked not, at some of the old car you know, guides? Not, not really, but what but what I know of is, you know, I see these advertisements for cars with two hundred sixty thousand miles, yep. and they're asking six grand and seven. Right. So you know, here's a car with fifty nine thousand. Mm-hmm. Low mileage, but yep. it is. 15 years old. Right. right. I'll, I'll give you an example. A friend of mine just recently bought a 1985 Grand Marquis. It had 50,000 miles on it. It was for sale in South Carolina. An 85 Marquis. 85 Marquis. 50, low 000, miles. 50,000 yep. miles on it. That's nothing. Yep. Back seat looks like no one's ever sat in it. Trunk looks right. like trunk looks like no one's ever been there's they haven't carried any bodies around in the trunk, you know, yep. because it's got plenty of room for that. Um it had a few, you know, what once he got it up here, he ended up doing you know, I think he did a fuel pump, a fuel filter, a full tune up. Uh it had it had some it had some problems from from just age more than anything else did belts and hoses and got it pretty much squared away and now it's not perfect but it's the more he drive it drives it the better it's getting so it is kind of is, is progressing along um i they originally wanted and my numbers might be off a little bit they actually may be a little bit high they originally wanted six thousand dollars for it and he paid five or they wanted five and he paid four one or right. the other so, uh, essentially, what he got was something that looks like, you know, an almost brand new old car. Uh, I think the only work he had to do to it was um, 
those plastic pieces where the bumper sits away from the body of the car, the plastic pieces were all kind of cracked and aged from just age. And he ordered, he found some new ones on Amazon and got those and had them put on. And uh, the car, the car looks stunning. Um, so, you know, to, to look at the Buick you're looking for, for $12,000 to me sounds, you know, $5,000 overpriced. Right. I, I know, you know, low mileage is worth some money. My, I talked to my son out in Montana, yeah. and I was telling him he knows I'm crazy, mm-hmm. but he also knows me. And he says, Dad, I, and he used to be an, uh, an appraiser, or not an appraiser, but an adjuster or mm-hmm. something for yep. insurance. And yep. he has access. Yep. And he says, Dad, the low mileage might add a 1000 bucks or more, a little bit. Yeah, it, it doesn't, on that particular car, it really doesn't add that much because... The car's still old. No matter how you look right. at it, the car's still old, and uh, and it's only gonna it's only gonna bring the value up. Like like he said, you know, probably a thousand dollars or so. Uh, you can, you know, certainly one that has two hundred and twenty thousand miles on it's not worth anything. But if you look right. at sort of the baseline where the car's gonna be, it is what it is. I mean, you know, a fifteen year old car that's nineteen uh, year old car that's worn out right. is still a nineteen year old car that's worn out. And even though like. This guy's uh, Grand Marquis, uh, you know, it's not going to be a perfect car. You're going to have to do some work to it because it has sat and, you know, things that sit sometimes can develop some problems. So uh, so you, you would expect to have to put some money into it. And at this point, even though you're kind of thinking about driving out, at some point you need to think, well, I need to get it home somehow. That's going to be a thousand. Right. That's going to be a thousand dollars. Right. If I so, ship it, I either yep. ship it or drive it. Right. And I'm going to have to pay sales tax here. Right. Or I pay sales tax. They may pay, charge you sales tax when you buy the car out there. And then I think the Commonwealth, I talk to my insurance, yep. and they'll charge the difference. So yeah, it, yeah, yeah, a, yeah, one way or the other. But one way or the other, you're going to pay some sales tax. So if I went, if I right. went and looked at the car and... Uh, you know, I'd probably like it. The, uh, yeah, liked it, and they said, you know, they want whatever twelve thousand dollars for it. I'd automatically say, look, you've had the, you've been sitting on this car for a while. I'm definitely interested in it. It's going to cost me a thousand dollars to ship it. It's probably going to cost me a couple thousand dollars to get it squared away because it has been sitting, and I don't know what I don't know what's really going to happen with it. So already now, I'm three thousand off of your price. Um, you know, tires on the car. You know, are they? Are they right. replacement tires that are 10 years old? If they are, they're going to need to be done. So you look at the car and you go, look, you know, I think a good number for the car is, you know, $6,500 or $7,000. Right. Right. And I'll just have to be, I do know that, you know, obviously we're not surprised it hasn't moved. And it may not be a good car. The only thing I may get for going out there is a view of the countryside. A view of the countryside and your, your, your part in paying the tolls. That's correct. Yeah. Right. So, you know, but I wanted to just talk because you know your stuff. And, you know, I, I understand, you know, it. you can ask a million dollars, and if you find the person who wants that car, they'll pay the million. That's right. Well, That's right. Ken isn't the one. Yeah. But there is, I do like the car. Yeah. Uh, we yeah. had good history, and we're receptive because it's a good big car, and it's a nice long-distance car. Right. Right, and it's, a, and, it's, and it's a car that strangely gets pretty good gas mileage. 
It did. Yeah. Always did. Yeah. I always got like, you know, 23, and I don't try to win the mobile economy run. Yeah. No, no, it's a, it's a car that does pretty well. So, no, I think, uh, you know, I think if you have the free time and you want to take a ride out there and take a look at it, uh, you know, a, a picture's worth a thousand words, a video's worth 10,000 words, but there's nothing like seeing it in person and knowing what, right. you, really, what you really see. Every, everything looks good in pictures, uh, except for me. <laughs> John, I thank you so All much. Right. And uh, the very best to you. All right, take care. Bye bye. Thanks. Or happy Halloween or whatever. <laughs> yeah. Whatever's coming up what, next. Whatever they call yeah. it. Whatever they're saying now. 617 770 Let's do John in Norwood. Let's talk to John in Norwood. John, good morning. Hello. Good morning, John. How are you? Good. How are you? Good. I got a question. Uh, I replaced the. Um, compressor belt on my 99 Maxima. Okay. And on a few cold days um, since I've done it, at startup, I get a real short squeak. I just need to tighten it a hair, right? Yeah, I mean, that's what it sounds like. Is that, does that actually use a, uh, does it actually use a tensioner or is there something that, or do you, or do you swivel uh, a pulley or, or a, uh, or the compressor? No, it has a tensioner with a bolt that you, um, you squish over and tighten it up. Yeah. Yeah, and there's actually it's kind of it's you you think tightening up a belt's kind of a simple thing, right? You just tighten it up till it's tight and it's tight. Um, but yeah. there actually there there's oddly enough there's actually all kinds of little tools that you can measure belt tension with and little deflection tools that tell you if it's tight enough. But it just at this point it just sounds like maybe a smidge tighter would be okay. Also, this type of time of year you're picking up a lot of condensation and moisture, so it's not unusual that it might slip just a little bit. The one thing. I would be um, thoughtful about though is um, is the belt lined up perfectly straight so is there a pulley or something that's a little bit out of alignment um, that could that's causing causing something to be off a little bit um, I have I have looked at a lot of noisy belts over the years and you put a straight edge across a couple of pulleys and you go wow that's doesn't look like much to the eye, but when you put a straight edge on it, all of a sudden you find out someone dropped a, um, a spacer off of something. They just put it back together, and that other component is moved over, you know, moved over three-eighths of an inch. And that sometimes is enough to make a, a belt make a little bit of noise. But at this point, the first thing I do is uh, snug it up a little bit more. Yeah, I don't have any kind of a tool, so when I was replacing it, I'd never done it before I... Just kind of eyeballed it, and I figured I'd go a little bit loose rather than a little bit tight, you know, just to see how it went. Well, and that so I'll try and, to... and and you actually did the right thing because sometimes what happens, and I've seen this happen before, especially on cars that have been around for a while. Um, somebody will get a, you know, they'll they'll get a, uh, they'll go, well, I want to tighten this up, so they go to the trunk, they get the tire iron out. And they yank on whatever it is, an alternator or something, get it as tight as can be. And then four months down the, lay, down the road, the water pump wears out because the belt was so tight. Yeah, that's what I was trying yeah. to avoid. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So you're, you're, absolutely, you're absolutely doing the right thing. And, um, and just, uh, you know, just, I just snug it up a little bit more, and that should, that should solve it. Whatever you do, don't put it. Whatever you do, don't put any kind of belt dressing or anything like that on it. Um, and if you no, want to, yeah. And if you want to try to identify to make sure that that's the belt that's making the noise, um, start up the car and go out there with just a spray bottle, a little bit of water in it, and spray it, and either see if the see if the belt 
starts to chirp or if it is chirping, see if it stops, and then you'll know you'll know that's it, and the water will just evaporate and go away, and you won't have anything to worry about. Hey, have you ever heard of a company called Open Bay? Yes. In fact, we had the president on some time back of Open Bay. Oh, I don't remember and, that, yeah, but, or yeah. maybe that's where I picked up the name. But I, mean, I tried. My car is going to need both front axles replaced. Mm-hmm. I tried it yesterday, and within you know ten fifteen minutes, I had like twelve, I think, um, quotes. Yeah, on what it would take to do, um, which I found very helpful because I think most lay people just have no idea how yeah. much a lot of jobs. No, should no, cost. And it, yeah, and it works like Uber too because you actually pay on the Open Bay app, and then in right. turn, and then in turn, they pay the shop. Um, uh, it's it's actually an interesting enough concept where I was talking to one of my bosses at work and said, "Why don't we do that? And how? Why don't we just buy their company? You know, it's it solved solved the problem because I like the I, I like the idea of it that it's um, it's it's easy for a consumer. You get a quote. Now, of course, with all things automotive, the quotes are never a hundred percent. Uh, because, you know, you go to take something apart and say, oh, by the way, there was a ball joint we saw that was worn or, or you know, yep. something. You always kind of have to expect a little bit of extra. But but just the idea that you can get these quotes, I liked it. I w- um, what's, the, what's the one for home improvements that sort of works that way? Um, but uh, the, the, Home Advisor, yeah, home advisor. or Angie's yeah, List? Yeah, Home Advisor was, I think, the one. And I tried, I tried that just to see what it was like once, and – Within seconds, I got a bunch of um, people, you know, saying, oh, I can do that, I can do that, I can do that. And the prices were all over the place. And it was so varied and so quick, it actually got me a little bit concerned. Uh, But the Open Bay one seems pretty good, I have to admit. Yeah, and it shows you, you know, what the hourly rate is, you know, if it's $95 an hour or $90 an hour. How many hours? They show you the parts. In this case, for my axle replacements, they're saying remanufactured parts. Is there any that's what disadvantage they all, no, using remanufactured? No, no. And that's what they, they remanufacturing anyway. Is it like they, original Nissan parts or well, they take yeah, they take they're taking the original axle, they're pulling the boots out of it, pulling the boots off of it, disassembling the CV joint inside of it. Uh, if the joint is worn, they're going to put a new joint on. If the balls are just inside, and, and there's just it's a it's sort of a cone with some balls inside of it. They take that off. They take that off, and they uh, uh, either just replace the parts that move, or they replace the whole end, whatever it takes. Then they put it all back together, put a new boot on it. Uh, it's all packed with grease, and it's good to go. So um, you know, it's there. There is absolutely nothing wrong with buying a a remanufactured axle for that car. It's, uh, in fact, at its age, it's probably about the only thing you're going to be able to get. Right. I mean, I, I see all these parts online, you yeah. know, but they're manufacturer that I've ever heard of. And I just wonder, is it some cheap Chinese new part? Would I be better off with a remanufactured part if it's actually was Nissan? You know, I don't um, know. Yeah, I, you know, I... Uh, I have bought uh, my old car. I had to replace uh, a front and a rear axle over time, and I went with um, I don't know it was A one or something. It, it was a you know a typical aftermarket manufacturer. Um, everything fit the everything fit the way it should. But the the difference probably is the axle shaft that you're buying remanufactured aftermarket. Um, what was it? A couple hundred bucks maybe. 
Um, I think they were about a hundred a piece. Yeah. yeah. Well, you could go out. You could go out and buy a um, go out and buy a factory new axle shaft if you wanted to uh, for seven hundred and twenty-eight dollars and eighty-two cents each. Right. Right. Yeah. So. <laughs> so Makes you sense. know, you know, looking looking at that. Um, I would definitely go aftermarket and um, and labor to replace both axles is probably somewhere between two and three hours. I would guess. I think they came in at um, like two hours each. Yeah, and I don't know if there's another hour in there. So I mean, the jobs were all right around six hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah, that's a, that sounds a bit right. That sounds a bit like where it should be. The one recommendation I might make after the axle shaft is put in is to think about a wheel alignment because they take enough of the front suspension apart. Even though they'll mark everything, it's not going to go back 100%. So uh, maybe think about getting the, the wheels aligned afterwards just to just to make sure that they haven't knocked it out of alignment and you're going to wear out your tires. Are most shops going to be able to do that? Or yeah, do I, I mean, to... either, either they are or they're going to sub it out to, you know, somebody down the street that's got an alignment machine. But you know, most of them, what they do is they, uh, you know, they they take a they either some people paint, some people take a scribe, so everything goes back to about where it was. But it it doesn't take much. You're off, you know, as you put the uh, the the spindle back together and the uh, you know can you can you knock something off a little bit? Sure, you can. So it's it's um, it's money well spent, and especially as you're going into as you as we're going into winter weather, the 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 more perfect the wheels are aligned, the better it's going to handle in the snow. So, again, money well spent. Yeah, I've been driving around on these ripped CV boots for probably three, 4,000 miles now, so I figure my, my time is probably about up. I don't well, know. Well, you'll, you'll, know, you'll know when you when you take a corner and the and the clicking noise is so loud that it, that it drowns out the radio, and then you'll say, you know, I probably ought to do this before it actually breaks. Yeah, yeah, but has it? Have they started making noise when you take a corner yet, or are they tick 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 as you're going around a corner? Funny thing is, no. I mean, no? just the amount of grease I've cleared off. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Off uh, well, if, eventually, when all that grease wears away, there's going to be nothing. There's going to be nothing left to keep all the little pieces lubricated, and then it will start making noise, and then uh, eventually it'll stop making noise, and then eventually it'll break, and then. Then you'll call and get your car towed, but I, I wouldn't wait that yeah. long. I'd get, I'd try to get it. I, you know, could you go another, could you go another month, or could you go until it starts making noise? Sure, you could, but, um, you know, the sooner you do it, the better off. Yeah. Okay. All right. All right. Bye bye. All right. You take care of yourself. Bye bye. Six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty six one seven seven seventy thirty thirty. Phone lines are open if you would like to join us. Going to do a. Quick car review and then maybe take another break. Uh, I talked about a little bit with the folks from Ford, and that is the Nissan Leaf. The Nissan Leaf is a fully electric car that has two different battery options. The standard Leaf uses a 40-kilowatt battery pack with a range of about 150 miles and using an electric motor that develops 147 horsepower. The new Leaf Plus, you'd think they could have come up with a better name than Leaf Plus, uses a 62-kilowatt battery, which has a range of up to 226 miles and is powered by a 214-horsepower electric motor. Uh, both models of the Leaf come in three trim levels. Our road test was in the Leaf SL Plus. Uh, the first thing you notice about driving an electric car, and I said this to um, 
Our friend from Ford is, to me, it drives like any other car. It's pretty simple to drive. The acceleration is swift due to the 250 foot-pounds of torque, or pound-feet of torque, depending on what you like. Acceleration from 50 to 65 miles an hour to pass a slow-moving vehicle is effortless. The larger, more powerful battery is about the same size as the battery in the standard Leaf, so interior room is not compromised for better performance. Steering is smooth and linear. The ride's comfortable. The overall handling is quite good. Um, it's partially due to the placement of the battery pack, which helps keep the Leaf flat on turns. The Leaf has three methods of charging the battery. It uses a common Level 2 charger found in many places like the AAA office. Level 3 DC fast charging system and a level 1 system to use a typical house current. The level 3 system can recharge the battery to about 80% um, in about the time it takes to have lunch. Quick lunch. 20-minute lunch. Um, the uh, level 2 system needs overnight to recharge this pretty big battery if it's completely drained. And the level 1 system, in my opinion, is really only designed to maintain the battery. Kind of an emergency Um to recharge the large battery with a 110-volt outlet would take more than two days. Uh, one nice feature is the Leaf. Uh, you can uh, use an adapter and plug in the Leaf, like they were talking about with the Ford people, to a 240-volt outlet similar to an electric clothes dryer. So if you, were a, if you had a garage, if you were fortunate enough to have a garage, and uh, you put a 240-volt outlet in there for something like a dryer or arc welder or something, an electric stove, whatever's out there. Uh, you could just plug it in so without a charging station. So not quite as fast as some of the bigger level two ones, but still a lot quicker than 110 volts. Uh, safety is addressed with Nissan's ProPilot Assist. The system provides many semi-autonomous features, such as lane centering, highway driving assist technology that can automatically adjust the distance of the vehicle ahead using Speed preset by the driver. In addition, if the car stops, ProPilot Assist can automatically apply the brakes. whole bunch of electronic stuff. One interesting feature of this car is something called the e-pedal. The e-pedal is basically one-pedal driving. So what you're doing is there's, you're using the gas pedal like the brake pedal. So you push the e-pedal, and uh, you're driving along. And you take your foot off the gas, and it automatically starts to brake and actually comes to a complete stop. So um, so you only need to use the accelerator pedal to you know, speed up, slow down, or come to a complete stop. Another innovation that enhances the experience. Um, it's, it's, uh, it's often on standard equipment. And, again, it uh, offers that simplicity. Overall, the system works pretty well. Of course, you still need to use the brake pedal to stop an emergency. Other features that are part of the Pro Pedal Suite are lane departure warning, automatic emergency braking, and, again, pedestrian detection and cross-traffic alert. The controls are modern but also have a pretty familiar feel. The front seats are comfortable. The cabin's airy. Uh, even the rear seat accommodates two adults pretty comfortably. The trunk has about 24 cu cubic feet of storage space. And expands to about 30 with the seat folded. As I recall, the seats don't fold perfectly flat. The Leaf, according to uh, Nissan, is the number one mass-produced electric vehicle in the world. I don't think they consider Tesla a mass-production car company. I think that's how they can kind of get away with that. Um, now with this extended range, the Leaf is ready to take on some of its gasoline rivals and could easily be a replacement for your next car. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, 617-770-3030. Let's take a break, pay some more bills. My name is John Paul. This is the Car Doctor Program. We'll be right back.
And welcome back to the Car Doctor program on AM 950 WROL, the Spirit of Boston. My name is John Paul, the Car Doctor here to help you with your car problems. Our phone number is 617-770-3030, We have a couple lines open if you want to join us. I think we have a call, don't we? Uh, yes, Frank yeah. from Medford. Uh, let's talk to Frank. Good morning, Frank. Morning, John Paul. How are you? Hey, I have a question on uh, replacement keys for a car. My daughter's got one key. She lost the other set. And uh, I was wondering, you know, we have AAA, but I heard you mention before something about a program on lost keys or something. Well, there's a, there's a, there is a uh, insurance policy you can buy, um, and, that you know, it covers keys. It covers keys. It covers uh, a variety of different things, uh, but you know, it's it probably at this point, it's just cheaper to go buy another key. What kind of car is it? It's a uh, 2014 Camry. Yeah, I would just, I would just, uh, you know, you could, you could certainly get key coverage, and uh, you know, the car came with two keys. You lost one, and you could, you could get key coverage. And the program we have is. Uh, it's it's kind of all encompassing. It's like keys, uh, wheel and tire insurance, uh, dent insurance for like you know paintless dent removal. Covers a whole bunch of stuff. Uh, or you could just go buy a key. You know, either way. And you know, look around a little bit too. Even though that's kind of a fancy key, and the, the um, you can find sometimes the aftermarket has uh, has replacement keys. So a good full service locksmith might be able to make a key for that cheaper than the Toyota dealer could. Oh, so like uh, mass lock or something? Yeah, like some, that. somebody like that. I, I would to go to yeah, get a key for it. Yeah, I would. I would ask there just to see because again, depending on what kind of key it is and how fancy it is. Uh, but the fob part, and she actually does have a physical key. It's not just a fob and a push button start. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. I. Yeah. And and is it a um, is it a is it a key with the teeth on the outside or a key with the teeth on the inside? On the outside, I think. On the outside. Yeah. Oh, so, so that you know, that's a key that's pretty easily replaceable in the aftermarket. So, you know, I I I try a locksmith first before I tried the dealer. I mean, the key's probably you know, it's probably three hundred dollar key. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, that's what I didn't know. I yeah. didn't know what actually the key is worth or whatever. You know what yeah. I mean? Yeah. So I didn't go into it, look into it. Yeah. Uh, I have a friend of mine who's got a Porsche, and he's uh, got a. A problem with that, that the battery keeps draining, and he has to disconnect the battery. It's one of those V8 fancy sports, uh, yep. one spite of Porsches yep. or something yep. or whatever. And, I'm, you know, I'm saying to him, like, what do you do? Put in a switch so it just doesn't, you know, you can yeah. shut it off here when you shut the car off. You killed. Yeah, the there's, a, there's, the a, there's, some, there's something staying on. There's a pump staying on. There's memory for something staying on there could even be a seat motor or something that's that's not completely shutting down and when it sits for a couple of days the battery goes dead so at this point yeah he either has to put a battery disconnect that's the best way you gotta yeah, it. I mean, yeah you can put a too. you can put a battery disconnect switch in uh like they do a lot of people with uh 
antique and classic cars. They, that's you know they just it's a rotary knob sort of thing, and it just disconnects the battery. You could put a you could go out and get a uh, a battery tender, a little float style battery charge charger, and that would you plug it in all the time. It never overcharges a battery. People use them on classic and in, antiques, and people that put their cars away for the winter or the summer, and it plugs in. How dear are they? I'm sorry, what? How dear are they? Expensive? How expensive oh, is it? Forty bucks. Float tender or whatever. Yeah, it is. forty forty bucks for forty bucks for a good one. Some well, battery okay. battery yeah. tenders. Battery tenders a uh, a really good brand. You can go to Harbor Freight and buy one for six bucks. the The only yeah. the only problem with the Harbor Freight one, and I don't know that there's any problems with them, is I don't know if I trust it if I wasn't there all the time. So in other words, I might go buy the six dollar Harbor Freight one, and and put it and put it in as long as I could. If I lived in the house, if I was putting it away for you know if I was if I was putting a car away for the winter time in somebody's garage, I probably yeah. want a good brand like a battery tender because I know that those are gonna those are gonna last last and be able to do their job and they never overcharge and they shut off when they're supposed to and all that sort of stuff. So. And how long have they been on the market? I've really never even oh, heard of them. Uh, bat- battery tender, battery tender has been around for, I don't know, fifteen years. It's a little. Yeah. It's just a little small battery charger. There's there's two. That's uh, there's one that uh, charges like I don't know, three tenths of an amp, and one that charges about a full amp. Um, uh, I have uh, I have a battery tender, and I also have something called battery minder which is similar similar that i keep one little battery charge with and you know some someday if i ever retire and have a car that gets parked for the winter or the summer the battery tender is going to go on that so i'm ready to go <laughs> very good my wife's in the stu- my wife's my wife's possible. in the studio she she said will you hurry up <laughs> oh yeah yeah <laughs> maybe you're too young to retire I, I mean i think i'm too poor to retire but yeah <laughs> all right take care thanks a lot yeah Bye bye. 617 A couple couple things actually. I mentioned Harbor Freight and I, okay. I, I had an ad for Harbor Freight and um, it has a half inch heavy duty extreme torque impact wrench. So this is a plug in impact wrench. So not not a battery one, not an air one. It's sixty nine ninety five and it produces a thousand fifty foot pounds of torque. I bought a used electric impact wrench 30 years ago, I think. And I think I paid $45 for it at, uh, I don't know, somewhere. And it's it's better than nothing. This thing at 1,000 foot-pounds of torque for 70 bucks, that's a pretty good deal. And that means, especially if you have to drag out a compressor to do something, you just plug this thing in and go. Now, the battery ones, the cordless rechargeable ones... Um, they are they are a little bit they are a little bit uh, more handy certainly, but then how often are you going to use it? If you use it all the time and you have the batteries charged, well that's great. But if you use it a couple times a year, this plug-in one for sixty nine ninety five, pretty pretty good deal. And uh, my wife's pointing to the coupon. No, you can't take the twenty percent coupon <laughs> off the other coupon. They don't allow you to do that. But you do get a free flashlight. Yeah. So if you want that, the other thing is I and it's funny I. Must have looked at this. Someone wrote to me this week, and their friend has a lift in their car, in their house. And uh, 
I'm not sure who, who it was, but I think it was a Rhode Island person, so maybe I do know who it is. Um, but they have a lift in their house or what in their garage, mean? not actually in their house, but in their garage. <laughs> and uh, and, they, uh, and they're very jealous because of it. And they said they have a two-car garage, and they don't have the height for a lift, but they wanted to know about if I knew anything about uh, kind of these low lifts that only lift up a couple feet. And I did a little bit of research online because I don't know. But oddly, I cut out, the, I cut out an ad for one, I don't know, months ago, I guess. And uh, the one, it's, um, it's Quick Jack. And the company is actually Benpack. They've been producing lifts for a long time. But it says the ultimate portable car lift. Quick Jack is uh, go anywhere lift. It uh, offers full open center access. And that was one of the things that when I was looking online at different portable low lift, low medium rise lifts, there are some that are sort of a scissor jack style. And they're good for picking up the car and being able to work on wheels and tires and things like that. But you can't get under the middle of the car very easy because the lift's in the way. So, you know, good if you're going to work on the engine, I suppose, and good if you're going to work on the gas tank, but not so good if you want to work in the middle of the car, like on the muffler system. So a little bit awkward, I think, to work on. This one is two, basically looks like two little ramps, and it just lifts up the sides. There's nothing really in between to worry about. Um, you can buy them at Costco and apparently Home Depot. According to this ad, they started about a thousand dollars. That one's a pretty light duty one. I'd probably move up to the next one that's uh, good for about five thousand pounds. They only lift about twenty inches, but if the car's a few inches off the ground, you put a couple blocks under there, and they come with blocks. And now all of a sudden, you're up to probably close to two feet. Two feet off the ground, still not a lot, but it's a whole lot easier than having to get a floor jack jack stands, ramps, and then you're not even going to get that high typically. So I don't know. For somebody who wanted to do some work to the car and get under it and be able to do some stuff, I don't not not a terrible thing. And, again, it's, they start, according to this ad, that I don't know how old it is that I found when I was looking through some stuff this morning. It says quick jack, as low as nine ninety five. So that's going to be the answer to a question coming up in the not-too-distant future of uh, – Either the Globe or the Journal or the AAA publication or somewhere, the Quincy Sun or the Yankee Express or wherever else I write for. Um, I used to write for a publication in Connecticut called the Connecticut Penny Saver. And I think they went out of business. They, I think they just disappeared. So I don't know what happened to them. So we'll have well, to. Yeah, because of the name Penny Saver. No, it's it was, they were very popular for a while. So I don't know what happened to the Penny Saver, but uh, <laughs> they used to carry my column all the time, and I used to get questions from the Connecticut readers about it. So anyway, um, there is a safety idea, and it's getting a mandate. Child detection tech steps up pace as regulation looms. Um, U.S. lawmakers and European safety regulations are considering rules that could mandate child presence detection systems aimed at avoiding hot car deaths and unattended children. Uh, the suppliers uh, are scrambling to develop new systems for automakers. Um, this has been the worst year for child deaths, mm -hmm. uh, kids being left in cars. It's never been as bad as it's been this year. And the year's not over yet, uh, but the... Uh, the system is uh, uh, using a combination of reminders. I have been in a couple of cars that have had that uh, going back as far as a few years ago. In fact, 
I, I did a little quick video. I was in the front seat of the car, started up, shut it off, and opened the door, and it said, you know, check the back seat. And there was my coworker sitting in the back seat. I forgot all about her, <laughs> but she was sitting in the back seat. So it does, it does do a little reminder. Same thing if you left a bag or something in the back seat. What it does, it just knows that you open the rear door at some point. Some are actually going to the point of putting sort of a radar sensing system in it. So when you um, when you uh, get out of the car, if it detects motion of some sort or detects something in the back seat, it'll beep the horn. I don't know how good these systems are going to work because right now we have systems that if you have a car with push-button start and you, sh and you sh forget to shut it off and you walk away with your keys in your pocket, it beeps and chirps and makes all kinds of noise and people ignore it and still walk away and leave cars running. So... I'm not sure what it is. I mean, some of the some of the safety advocates, and this is sort of sad in a way, will say things like, well, put your cell phone in with your kid in the back seat because chances are you get out of the car looking for your cell phone before you look for your kid. Mm -hmm. Sounds kind of weird, but I would think you look for your kid. But, pay more attention yeah, Pay more but, attention to your cars. Yeah, but I, I don't know. So yeah. I brought this up a couple of weeks ago, and uh, I got reminded of it this morning. Um, I was listening to... Uh, a different radio show this morning mm -hmm. and they were talking about some of the automatic emergency braking systems and other systems that at some point are going to become standard on a lot of vehicles and uh, our AAA research team found that uh, a lot of these systems don't work when they're needed the most the new research from AAA reveals that automatic emergency braking systems with pedestrian detection performs inconsistently improved uh, to be completely ineffective at night uh, Seventy-five percent of all pedestrian fatalities occur after dark. On average, nearly six thousand pedestrians lose their lives every year, accounting for sixteen percent of all the traffic deaths. Massachusetts pedestrian deaths actually went up last year. Other states went down. Um, pedestrian fatalities are on the rise, uh, proving how important the safety impact of these systems could be when further developed. Uh, but our research has found the current systems are far from perfect and still require an engaged driver behind the wheel. I've been saying that for everything from backup cameras to, to uh, bumper sensors to everything else. You still have to be paying attention. While time of day and location are a contributing factor to pedestrian fatalities, vehicle speed also plays a major role. Um, we did a bunch of testing, and by I'm using we as a as a royal we because I wasn't really part of it other than to review the results uh, but we went out to California and we rented a racetrack because we put our name on a racetrack so it's easy for us to rent and we brought five cars with us with a variety of pedestrian and vehicle detection systems we used a remote control foam car about the size of a hmm Nissan Stanza sort of thing. Yeah, small car, compact car. Made out of foam with a remote control motor in it. And the thing would go 45 miles an hour. And we would be chasing behind it with another car. The foam car would jam on its brakes. And our car was supposed to automatically emergency stop to make sure that um, the systems worked the way they should. We got really good at putting the foam car back together because of all the cars we tested, the only one that seemed to work most of the time was a Volvo. Then, later on, 
just recently uh, in partnership with the Auto Club of California. Uh, that's the Automotive Research Center that's part of that. And, um, we took four mid-sized sedans equipped with automatic emergency braking with pedestrian detection, and we simulated a pedestrian. Looked a little like Bart Simpson, have to admit. <laughs> but it, 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 and it ran on a, a rail that sort of crossed the track. But it was a regular, decent-sized person-looking thing, again, made out of foam. We got really good at putting that back together because none of the systems worked. Uh, and what we found out was if it was a straight road, clear day, it worked pretty well. A curve in the road, most of them didn't work at all. So a vehicle turning right onto an adjacent road with the adult crossing at the same time. Uh, two adults standing on the side of the road with their backs to traffic with the vehicle approaching at 20 and 30 miles an hour. So we weren't trying to trick it. We weren't trying to go really, really fast. We didn't try to take really skinny pedestrians. Um, you know, it was, uh, so when encountering a child darting from between two cars with vehicles traveling at 20 miles an hour and a, a collision occurred 89% of the time, immediately following a right-hand turn, all of the test vehicles collided with the adult pedestrian. So when approaching two adults standing alongside the road with a vehicle traveling at 20 miles an hour, a collision occurred 80% of the time. In general, the systems were ineffective in all scenarios where the vehicle was traveling at 30 miles an hour. So at 20 miles an hour, when you're kind of creeping through a residential area and there's cars parked by the side of the road, don't count on all these systems to work the way they should. The uh, rise in pedestrian deaths, uh, of course, is a major concern, and we want to try to we weren't trying to work with the car companies to try to do that. You know, even if you have these systems, be alert of your immediate surroundings. Don't rely on pedestrian detection systems to prevent a crash, even automatic emergency braking. Um, when you go buy a car with the systems in it, some of them say they will come to a full stop. Some say that all they do is slow the car down. Again, it doesn't mean that if you're driving along, you can look down at your phone and or grab something on the passenger seat or whatever the case is, because these systems are there to try to help you. And again, they only work in certain scenarios. So you need to be a little bit careful. And also for the pedestrians, they, they wear dark clothing at night. So, oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah so avoid yeah, that, yeah. too. Pedestrians are not helping. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, a couple of, a couple little news bits. Well, well I got a caller. Well, you I, do. I, you do. I, I feel so bad for oh. him because I dropped him. He called back, and now he's been holding. Oh, okay. All um, right. Well, let's let's talk to him. Brian from Derry. Well, let's talk to Brian and Derry. Well, Brian, what? you needed to call me. I mentioned to that with a gal there. It's a good thing you're not a switchboard operator. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> Disconnected call. Yeah. But anyway, yeah, John, I heard on the news this morning, I caught the last end of it, that there's a recall on pickup trucks again. There's a, there's a recall on everything again. Um, the, uh, you know, it, it's kind of, it's kind of, it's kind of funny. There seems to be, I have never seen in my lifetime, it seems like so many recalls of different vehicles for different things. Some are, some are major, some are not. Um, you know, it seems like every time I turn around, there's a, there's a recall for, for something. So, um, in fact, my wife's car was recently recalled and what's kind of odd about it is that it's, um, they don't, they don't know how to fix it. So they recalled they it, but they, they they recalled it, but they don't know what to do with it now. So, um, so you know how how do you ha how do you handle that when they don't know when they actually don't know how to fix it? So they said we're gonna uh, we know what the problem is. 
We just don't we just don't know what to do with it yet. So yeah, there's a which one which one was this? Well, I don't know. I caught the last end of it. I just happened to hear BZ Radio this morning, and they said something about I don't know, like temperature uh, gauge. Oh yeah, but keep it. I on I don't know which model what 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 make and model it was. Yeah, it yeah it was. Um, you know that's one of, that's one of those things that you 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 have to you have to look at you know, and uh, let's see let's see if the let's see if the internet tells us anything. Um, John also, uh, uh, I ran across an old uh, an old advertiser when he used to put the questions in the paper. You know, like yeah, oh, uh, yeah. the Globe does with mm-hmm. you. Uh, what was that guy's name there? Junior D'Amato. Oh yeah, I ran into a, uh, an old ad with him. And uh, he used to do Monday night car talk, uh, 615 to uh, 8 p.m. only once a month on Mondays. Junior, Junior oh, D'Amato, yeah. Monday yep. night talk yep. on 95.9 yep. WATD. Yep. And then you can win a free subscription for the Auto Hunter ah, magazine. Is there still an Auto Hunter? I know it. I was just <laughs> going to ask you that also. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I, think, I think the Auto Hunter has been... Uh, been replaced by uh, Craigslist and Facebook Marketplace and all of that. Yeah, the recall. Oh, yeah. The recall was on uh, Ram uh, fifteen hundred. It was actually on some diesel powered light duty pickup trucks. So uh, Ram. It was the Ram fifteen hundred that was just. It was recalled. They just. Uh, they just did it. And the other recall that is kind of interesting is this one's a this one's a couple days old, but it's a, a recall on the brand new Ford Ranger. So, oh, oh, really? Yeah, so, oh, wow. um, so there's that one. And then there's also an interesting recall, and this is kind of a weird one. It's on um, Chevrolet Silverados and the GMC Sierra, but it's got nothing to do with the truck. Apparently the tonneau cover that came, uh, it was a soft trifold tonneau cover, and apparently it blows, oh. it blows off. Oh, so wow. yeah, so it's it's got nothing really to do with the car. It just has to do with the and it says and it wasn't a whole bunch of it was only a few of them, but it was. Yeah, what did uh, you say before you mentioned the Silverado? There was another vehicle you said. What was the name of that? Oh, one? the the Ram the Ram pickup did it in the Ford Ranger. So within the Ford past, Ranger, right? They yeah, brought so, that back. Yeah, Ford they brought Ranger. that back, yeah. and within so within the past few days, there has been there has been three different pickup truck recalls: the Ranger. The Silverado and the and the Ram diesel pickup, and they've all had weird recalls, and not not a huge number, um, but yeah. they all they all have had a few. So, wow, John is that is that Junior D'Amato still in Lakeville? Or has he gone out of? No, it? no, he uh, he closed the shop in Hyde Park. It's probably right, time that to was it. yeah. Hyde he closed Park, the yeah. shop in Hyde Park, and he and he doubled the size of his shop in Middleborough. So oh, Middleborough. Yeah, though. yeah, he's oh, okay. he's he's in Middleborough. He's had a shop down there for a few years and he's doubled the size of that shop and he brought brought his guys from uh they lived on the South Shore anyway, but they brought his guys from Hyde Park down to Middleborough. So um uh you know, Bobby and Richie Riley who worked up in Hyde Park, they live closer they live closer to there anyway, so they're they're not dealing with the the uh daily grind of going in and out of Boston either as junior. In fact, I was I was talking to him on Thursday night and I said, How how you liking not driving into Boston? And he said he uh he feels younger because of it. So no right. they you know, he's still, not aging, right. Yeah, he's <laughs> he, you know and he's a couple years older than me and uh he's also 
they're just opening up a, a detail shop in a there was a building on the property and they renovated the property and they're opening up a detail shop so they're going to wow, have awesome. a little detail shop yeah. out front they'll have the full auto repair shop um out back uh he bought a ramp truck so he can go he can actually even go get some of his old customers and bring them down if they don't want to drive down there and um, he's he's uh, he's he's full speed ahead down there. So we'll have to yeah, have, we'll have to have him on again. He's always he's always a good guest to get on the phone. So yeah, he's a good guy. Yeah. yeah. So you don't know if he does that radio show once a month. Do you? I I don't. I you know that that is um, that's Kevin Tachi. Um, I did it. I did it one one night with him too. Um, I don't. I don't think he's doing it anymore. I think Kevin's oh. still. I think Kevin's still doing it, but it's a. Uh, it's more political talk right now. Oh, I guess. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Oh, all right. But yeah, yeah, Kevin. Kevin's a good guy. Kevin. Kevin was uh, on the Brockton radio station for a lot of years, and and then he went over. He went over to that station over there. Good guy though. Yeah, nice guy. Yeah, I remember. Yep. I remember hearing yep. him on the program. Yep. They oh, sure. Yeah. Back and forth. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Good guy. You know. But anyway, thank you, John. All right. You had a great show. All right, and sorry, nice sorry, weekend, sorry, yeah. we kept you on hold so long. I hope you no found. Worry, no worry. I hope you found <laughs> something to do. All right. I was doing something. I, that's good. One good thing about cordless phones, you have to worry about being on the. You can always put it on uh, speakerphone. There so you go. You get on, you can knock it off. All yeah. right. <laughs> all right. Thank you. Yep. Bye bye. Interesting. Uh, interesting. Uh, of all places, Florida. There's a bill that uh, that uh, some Senator Tom Udall and. Uh, Rick Scott of Florida introduced legislation to mandate alcohol detection technology in all new vehicles within about four years of the bill's package passage. So you'll get in the car if you've been drinking, the car won't start. It's just Florida. Florida is the home of happy hour. I, I you know, I'm kind of wondering how this is going. How this is going to work? There's going to be nobody, nobody being happy anymore. So, but yeah, it's uh, and and it, it's. Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, uh, whoever you people are, Doing there's no uh, sorry, there's no happy hour here, but everyone's yeah, happy yeah, here. Yeah, that's it. But uh, so uh, Senator Udall and Rick Scott, um, you can't have a state by state law. You can't have how can if you sell cars in fifty states, how can you have a you oh okay in Florida you got to sell a car with alcohol detection in Massachusetts you got to sell a car with some other some other rules in them. It it just it doesn't make sense. It's got if you're going to do something, there's got to be a national. thing. It just complicates yeah. everything. Yeah. In fact, um, the right to repair legislation, there's new right to repair. And we talked about it a little bit last week. Is that um, is you know Massachusetts is trying to pass pass an updated version of it, and it it, it, it I don't my opinion should be national, but you know we're we're we're. You know, we we believe it's a it's a very consumer friendly thing, and we want consumers to get all the information they can, so it all works out. Hey, look, it's Matt O'Donnell just standing right over there doing something. I don't know what he's doing exactly, but he's over he's over there hanging around. So uh, just contemplating what you know going to these sporting events would be like. I mean, after the games, yeah. <laughs> I don't think any cars would be moving. They'd no, be there no, for a week. No, Uber, Uber, and Lyft are going to make a fortune. <laughs> they'll, yeah. they'll rake no, it in. No, it's, it's uh, man. I, glad, I, yeah. glad we uh, don't live down in Florida. I, well, some tough well, stuff. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I might someday. I don't know. Uh, yeah, but, uh, but well, yeah. there are always bikes. Yeah, I, uh, that's true. Be the bike doctor. Yeah, it's 
yeah. yeah, golf cart. Yeah, golf cart. Yeah, That's still, true. Yeah, you still can be arrested for driving under the influence of drunken golf cart. I think so. <laughs> so, uh, so Good you're here. You're here, which means uh, our buddy Sully's not. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Paul's uh, under the weather this yeah, week. Yeah, he's, so, uh, he's uh, you know I, he's he's, just, in for he's he's struggling along here, but. He yeah. is, but you know, I was glad he was in for me last week because I was struggling oh, along okay. last week. So Paul was in yeah. here, and I'd like to thank him and Billy yeah. for yeah. kicking in no, for uh, me. Uh, uh, Paul's such a good guy, and you know, he all is, positive yeah. thoughts. And he's uh, he's struggling struggling through a few things. With uh, he's just he's he's just he's just wearing out. Yeah, well, yeah. aren't we all? You know, <laughs> I know, I know. Well, I I brought this up last week that uh, apparently I dislocated my shoulder. Really sleeping. Wow, that's a tough act. Yeah. <laughs> that's, I, that's a I, tough one. I, w- I woke up in the morning and I couldn't touch my shoulder, and I'm like, "What the?" So I took a bunch of ibuprofen and put some ice on it. And I'm like, "Gee, I couldn't I even put a shirt on." I'm like, "Oh, my shoulder's killing me." I wow. ended up going to an orthopedic guy, and he goes, uh, "Yeah, that's a typical injury of uh, like a football tackle." And he said, "What? How'd you do it?" During the game, though. Yeah, yeah, during the game. And he said, How, "How'd you do it?" And I said, "I don't know. I was just sleeping. I don't know. I don't know." So, so they gave me some stuff and said if it doesn't go away in two weeks come back we'll shoot you with some cortisone so that's but, stuff so that apparently i'm getting so old i do things in my sleep to <laughs> hey so matt o'donnell coming in here and filling in for our buddy paul sullivan the very best in irish music coming up for the rest of the day uh right here on am 950 wrol the spirit of boston till next week wear your seatbelt. be good to your car drive, drive safe. safely talk to you all next week bye-bye AM 950 WROL Boston, the spirit of Boston.